Good evening, folks. Uh, welcome to the Arrogant Pupil Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Spencer Sr. And I'm Spencer Jr. A.K.A. S.J. Um, he is a little shy about that nickname, but it's been with him for a number of years now. And being on a podcast together and having the same name, we didn't want it to be cheesy or cliche. Um, and it actually is a nickname of his. So we're just going to run with S.J. for, for these purposes. Um, we're excited to share our world with you guys. Um, the reality is we often have these types of conversations at home or in the car. But um, for me, as I realize that SJ is uh, wise beyond his years, I wanted to take an opportunity to share um, our joint perspectives, which aren't always aligned. But he definitely has a unique perspective that I think is worth um, sharing with the world. And, um, yeah, we're excited to, to share that with you all. Um, just wanted to let you guys know some of the things that I've been up to, um, prior to starting this podcast. Um, been trying to exercise a lot, a lot more lately. When you hit 40, um, your body starts to move and act a hell of a lot differently than it did pre 40. Um, and, a lot of times I've been watching my son work out and he's the tender age of, of 17. And I remember those days, but they are, they are long gone. Um, and I don't consider myself old. Um, I just consider myself older. So I've been trying to work out and I, I try to modify a lot of my workouts to things that I see him doing. Uh, so the reality is if he's working out 35 minutes, uh, in one workout, I might put in 20 and be happy that I closed my move ring. Um, outside of that, you know, I, um, we've been planning this pod and Arrogant Pupil merch, which you guys will hear more about down the line. And, you know, I forget to tell folks, but um, I'm also a father and a husband. So um, that's pretty much me in a, in a nutshell. Um, SJ, what you been up to? Man? Um, besides, I mean... While we're on the exercise topic, I can't be your personal trainer. <laughs> if you're up to it, <laughs> if if I'm up to it, I might I might need um again I need modified workouts. I, I can keep up, but I, I got to get into a, a much better groove, um and and drink a lot more water and get a lot more rest before I can kind of, um, you know my my ego is not that bruised that that I can't check it and say that, um I might need a little bit more rest rest time and some modifications to, to keep up with you these days. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides trying to exercise like six out of the seven days a week. Yep. I've Better been than me. Cause like I'm the not, last couple of days. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing six days a week. It's, it, it takes, I don't know. It, yeah. Um, once again, I say I try cause it doesn't work out every day, <laughs> every week at least. Um, I mean, besides that, I've been on a quarantine movie binge, which mm -hmm. I've, I've enjoyed um, I, my list. My movie list is growing every day. I'm down to, I mean, I'm up to like 20, I want to say 25, 26 movies. That you've watched already. Yeah. Got it. And Got it. a couple TV series here and there. Full series? Yeah. Like what's the series that you have finished? I, I've i watched Breaking Bad twice. Well, I watched Breaking Bad once this quarantine. Got I it. I rewatched it. Got it. Um, Got it. And I... I watched eight seasons of Criminal Minds. How many seasons altogether? Fifteen. Uh, Fifteen. Yeah. So you haven't seen the other seven at I, all. No, I've I watched 
the first like four mm-hmm. like a maybe like a year and a half ago and i just kind of stopped so i like picked it up season like four through 12 got it and then season 13 and 14 aren't on netflix which i'm kind of bummed about yeah and season 15 is on the cbs app but i don't want to spoil it for myself so i kind of got to just wait around so it just pops up on the internet i think i think it's crazy how um these these series that are in um syndication these series that are in syndication um how they're not consecutively on any one platform. So it's like they're always trying to get you. So some might be on Hulu, some might be on Amazon Prime. You some think- episodes might you might have to pay for versus having this stretch of like six or seven seasons on one platform. And I think it's 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 ill how they, they I don't know, there's gotta be some sort of formula for them to capture either your attention or your dollars or both. <laughs> Uh, versus just giving fans what they want. Yeah, I mean it's it sucks, but I've been occupied with a bunch of other entertainment in what, the meantime. What's the goal? Because you you I, I I thought I heard you say um, around the house that you have a goal to watch a particular number of movies. Um, I mean now since okay, so like my list is like maybe 90 movies 90 movies so i'm like 25 down i still have like 70 more to go oh you got a list yeah (laughs) um and i even categorize them onto like which like streaming services they're on some more some more than others like aren't on any streaming service so i gotta kind of catch them where i can um but i mean by the end of the summer which is the end of this month sadly i think i can get like 10 more in. <laughs> 10 more in. All right. So you've watched 25 so far, right? Yeah. And that's roughly. That's roughly. I I might be missing like two or three. All right. So that's somewhere between um, 100 and. No, no. I'm sorry. 50 and 52 hours of. Yeah. All right. And you got time to work out six days a week. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I have I a lot it. of downtime. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I try to make the most of it. Unfortunately, we do have. Uh, a lot of downtime and you know trying to keep safe in this in this crazy world with covid obviously and and you know your mother and i are not too keen on you guys going out and mixing with 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 folks these days because we just want to keep things safe um so you know as my pops always said it could be worse you could be out here being defiant and trying to run the street so (laughs) thank god that's not the case um so uh with that being said, we know that um, we've been thirsting for this to come back, yeah. and we've waited patiently. Um, this particular league seems to have gotten it right, uh, at least as far as the numbers that are being reported, and um, what league would that be? Um, the National Basketball Association. The right. NBA is back, and I'm excited, kind of scared, but... Scared, hey. why? I mean, I'm not... Okay, let me say this. I'm hopeful because it seems to be going better than we thought. <laughs> right. At least in on the account of COVID-19, the last two like rounds of COVID testing in the bubble have been everybody's negative. Nobody has it, mm-hmm. at least among the players, I believe. I'm not sure. Of the players that are in the bubble. Yeah, I'm not sure about any like coaching staff or any other behind-the-scenes 
people that we just don't know about or hear about on a daily basis. I mean, I'd like to believe. I mean, I guess that that is a good point because what's most newsworthy is if players are um, contracting it. And what's the protocol uh, if and when you do get um, uh, diagnosed with COVID? I believe, I'm not even sure if they... I know you have to co- you have to um, self quarantine for ten days, in the bubble or out of the bubble. I'm actually not sure. Got it. I would like to believe it's outside the bubble, but I couldn't tell you. I'll Got tell it. You what um, Wait, what? What they do with Lou Will though? I can't. I think he's still quarantining somewhere off location. <laughs> um, and for those of you who don't know, Lou, Lou Williams, uh, who plays for the Clippers, um, you know. I don't think he's ever seen a shot that he can't that he 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 uh, thought he couldn't make. Um, very exciting player. He's been a bit of a journeyman um, in the league, but has found seems to have found a, a home with the the Clippers. But he um, is claiming that he went to what was it Hooters? No, it was that? Magic City. Magic City. Magic City. <laughs> to because uh, he really liked the wings. But you know uh, they have wings named after him. Like in Magic City? Yeah, like before this escapade. Like, right. So that I says think. that says a lot. <laughs> um that he went there for the wings, which must be great because um he sacrificed uh, his slot on, on the Clippers at least for some time before um until he can quarantine and then hopefully get back in the bubble to contribute to his team and be the multimillionaire that that uh multi-millionaire professional that he should have been before he went there. But uh, he's claiming that he went there for wings. Um, I have a hard time believing that. If you know what Magic City is, it's called the Gentleman's Club. Um, and we know what happens there. Uh, I don't know if you know what happens there, SJ, but, you know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, so, you know, that he caught, he caught a little flack from some folks, uh, one of them being Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. I have a correction. They added the Lou Will lemon pepper wings <laughs> after, <laughs> after after he went there again yeah. for the wings. You can't see me right now, but my air quotes are up. He went there for the wings. You see, you saw what Charles Barkley said? No, nah, no. Nah, he was nah. like, he didn't just, oh no, it was Kenny Smith. He said he didn't go for the wings. He went for the legs and thighs. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more accurate than him going there for the wings. Um, but that's his story. He's sticking to it. Uh, I hope he gets back. Actually, I don't hope he gets back. I hope he's safe and I hope he's well. But um, he is another weapon that could be used against um, our Lakers. And uh, something else that y'all may not know is that um, SJ and I are diehard LeBron fans. We take the hate. uh, We take the the wins and the losses and everything that comes with, with him being such a polarizing player for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I don't really want to see him back. I don't want to see him hurt or, you know, um, you know, having any, any sort of ailments, but um, I just need my Lakers to have a clear path to a championship and yeah. the other LA team may not make that too easy. So, do we have any 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 predictions for the league? Uh, any any predictions for the for the league? Um, I be, I mean, I believe the Lakers and the Bucks will be in the finals. 
Lakers and the Bucks. Uh, I mean, if okay, let me say this: I, the Celtics, the East isn't as weak as people think because the Celtics. I mean, the Raptors just beat the Lakers last night. Um, yeah, they look good from the tip off though. And yeah, and the Celtics could be a threat if the Lakers or any team of that matter don't get their act together because they they are my sleeper in the East. The Celtics. Yeah. What um, do are they at a hundred percent? Is there anybody missing from their team that you know of? Um, I don't believe so. Um, just today, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for I believe like sixty four points. Sixty four. Okay. Oh yeah, and um, after a bad game, I think two nights ago, you you remember Jason Tatum had like the hair, like the cur- yeah, he looked crazy. He had five points that game. Cut it off. Had thirty four. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> He must have found his uh, quarantine barber. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I ain't on front. Like the hair that doesn't didn't bother me as much. He just looked so different than yeah, it was weird. than uh, what we know Jason Tatum to look like. But I mean, regardless of his haircut, he, he he's a bad boy. Um, <laughs> definitely, he's he's a you know my you know your your, your uncle Ra has this theory that nobody from Duke can come into the league and be a superstar. He. I, I don't know all of his evidence, but um, Jason Tatum is is a baller. Kyrie Irving is a baller. Yeah. I think you know the list goes on. We can yeah. Grant Hill. Yes, he had yeah. his ups and downs, and injury is the only thing that stopped him. It was it was never skill. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see how the Celtics do. Um, I mean, oh yeah, the list. I was gonna say the list goes on on about Duke players in the league. But. Yeah. Oh. Um, Zion yep. is also a, a Duke player. Now, he's definitely going to need to to lose some, um, weight. lose some weight, refine his game a little bit. And we laughed the other night because um, we were wrong because I thought that he was limping without being injured. But and then he, you told just, me. That's just how he walks. That's just how he walks, but he did tweak. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I think he just turned his ankle a little bit by stepping on somebody else's um like foot yeah, yeah. On, on the way down so um super excited about about the nba super excited about what's to come um even though i couldn't finish that laker game the other night yeah, um no. not that i, I would i really wanted to but um not sure you know this about me but i i get headaches very sporadically but when they come they they like are debilitating and so one minute I'm sitting watching the game with you. Next minute I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go. But um, the night didn't get any better for me from there. I went to sleep, or well, I tried to go to sleep, and my headache just would not go away. I started to get a little scared, and, and um, took a shower very late. I don't know, it was like twelve thirty. I guess that's not too late. But um, I'm in there like talking to myself, trying to figure <laughs> out like what's going on. Do I have COVID? Like what, what, what's happening? Yeah, and I don't this, take that lightly at all. The crazy part about that is, like, nowadays you just never know. You don't. I mean, I'm glad you're better, but, like, any, like, sign of sickness. Like, I, I'm i actually, uh, like, two nights ago, Yeah. Um. I think it was just allergies, but, like, my, I can, like, barely breathe out of my nose. And I, like, I mean, I wasn't, like, scared because I didn't want to, like, even think about the possibilities. But I kind of just, like, waited out, drank water. And I went to bed, woke up, and I was fine. Yeah, it, it's um, there's definitely a, a part of me that feels like, and we don't go out often, and when we do, we're not like interacting with, with a a, a million and one people. But um, 
I feel like any ailment now or perceived ailment now is definitely um, more like stress induced. Yeah. It, 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 it causes this level of angst that I want to make sure that I'm good. And so uh, last night was, I guess, you know, an anomaly of sorts. But again, I do get headaches from time to time. And it's something that I really need to check out with my doctor. And, you know, your mother is always telling me to do the same. So and my mother, I spoke to her uh, yesterday and told her that I, I, I had a headache. And immediately she said, you should see the doctor about that. And you know how grandma is. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, regardless of all of that, super excited about the NBA returning. Um, to the point that uh, the Bleacher Report um, is selling these shirts uh, about the NBA's return. And we bought not one, but two of the general like reopening ones. Yeah. Um, and you had a tidbit of information about like what was our reasoning behind buying two of them. Um, I mean, one, because for me, because right. it was it was a pretty dope shirt. Like, I think. I can get some wares out of it. But the second one I'm holding on for, to for safekeeping. I might even frame it yeah. just because this is like a monumental moment in sports history. So, like, I want a memorabilia item for years to come. And if I'm struggling financially, I know <laughs> it'll be worth a lot of money in years to come because, yeah, like I said, like, people are going to want the NBA returns from COVID break shirt <laughs> yeah and i think the the they had one for each team and we didn't we we decided to go uh with the the general like the shirt general option. like nba shirt yeah right because i mean nowadays the nba is kind of scary because you don't know who's gonna pop out of which conference and it's just i didn't want to get like the team that loses in the final shirt because then it's just like why do i have this one <laughs> like, right What's so, crazy is some, some there may be people out there who like who like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who who are really they want that shirt of the team that almost won, but um more than likely the 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 team that wins, that's probably gonna have a, a, a decent resale value. Yeah. But also just having a, a a shirt or any article of clothing or something that commemorates the NBA as a whole returning, um, is my bet for the shirt that has the highest resale value. So, yeah. you know, it's a bit of an experiment, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so we're going to keep an eye out for the NBA, and we'll be watching. Um, SJ has, he's like the random fact uh, god as it pertains to uh, the NBA and, and um, just random sources of information. He's he's that guy in our house. Yeah. If you want to answer to something random, ask SJ. Damn, I wish I had a... That's what I have to do next time. I well, just have to be prepared with a random fact. I'll yeah, like a that, just to. that is your... That's your segment each show. And if, if you don't do it, then I'll, you know... Yeah. Um, I'm just going to kick you off for the next show. Um, to conclude the NBA talk, I do want to shed some light on the, the newfound NBA vlog YouTubers. Because, I mean, nowadays, they're, they're literally on... In Disney World, so like right. I wouldn't be. I'm not surprised that they want to document this. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Matisse Thibel, a guard on the 76ers. See, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Would He's, not have known who that is. Yeah. Um, and Javale McGee, the center on the 
Lakers. They are that, that little piece of hair in the back. <laughs> he got to cut that off. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. I'm. Those are my two favorite NBA players as of right now because those behind the scenes vlogs that they post are so very interesting. There is it just on YouTube or are they using Instagram, TikTok, Snap, or all of that? Um, I mean, they use like it's just it's mainly on YouTube. Mainly so, on YouTube. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I ain't mad at them. I wonder if they're monetizing their pages though. Like when I you make so. when you make millions of dollars, do they they still allow you to monetize your page on YouTube? I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> That's foul, man. Like it's there's some little kid out there who's probably Ryan's way better review. at it. You know, you know, Ryan's toys reviews are this is like uh, six year old kid that has like he gets a lot of views. Yeah. I know that. yeah, I don't mind him getting getting the money, but <laughs> Javale McGee who makes I don't know a I don't couple million dollars. Yeah, but, you know, think about that. You just said eh, he makes a couple million dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And he's getting a revenue share from YouTube. It's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, that's 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 America for you. Um, speaking of big numbers, right, uh, we've been watching Versus in the house. Um, and the most recent one with, with the dogs, DMX and Snoop, um, Timbaland, uh, who is – a co-founder of this brand along with Swiss Beats uh, posted um, last week, I believe what this is coming from Polestar live stream weekly charts and coming in at the number one slot was the DMX and Snoop Dogg live stream, which was able to be viewed on Instagram live and also on Apple music um, through the Apple music Apple TV app um, in real time. And they came in at number one more than almost three times the amount of streams of the next um, person on the chart, which was Luke Combs. I have no idea who he is, but um, my guess is he is a um, country star. Could be wrong, but Luke Names like Luke and Hank always remind me of <laughs> of uh, country stars. Yeah, Luke Holmes is a, he is a country music star. Right. But either way, the 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 um the the dogs came in at number one, um, and that brings me to the topic of of one. I was thoroughly um, entertained by by the Snoop and and DMX um, verses. Uh, my wife and I were, we weren't like grooving too much, but the, you definitely, depending on the songs that came on, we were head nodding and it took us right back to a place at a time, um, pre-kids mainly. Um, but I, I did realize that as much fun as I had, having three kids ranging in age from 18 to 12, um, I just realized how vulgar um, DMX and Snoop's music is, which for the most part, we try to censor things as much as we can, but it is a part of life. And, um, but yeah, they, they made some very misogynistic, vulgar music that at the time it came out, whatever age I was, you know, whether it was somewhere between like 16 and 19, um, we just nodded our heads. We just went with it because it's just part of the culture yeah. and um, they look like they had a genuine, genuinely good time. Um, two elder statesmen of hip hop, 
um, never had any beef with each other to my knowledge, were goats in their own right. You know, DMX was one of the first, if not the first hip hop artist to drop two number one albums in the same calendar year. So he dropped in January, if I'm not mistaken, and then by that Christmas or that Christmas season of the same year, um, he had dropped another uh, multi-platinum album. And so he was a, he was a beast in, 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 his, uh, in his prime. And Snoop, you know, just coming out of the West was, was something to be, uh, a force to be reckoned with and having the production power of arguably the greatest hip-hop producer in Dr. Dre, um, just to see both of them on screen and relive some of that music was amazing. Thoughts? I caught glimpses of, or like I caught like snippets. Oh yeah, of I it. forgot you. You dipped off on, <laughs> on me, your mother. It's cool. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, I enjoy both of the music, both each artist's like discography. Yeah. Like I mean, like a handful of tracks from each artist. Um, I don't really have like as much as an opinion as you do, just because. Right. Because I'm old, <laughs> dur, old dur, wiser. Hey, um, <laughs> no, I mean it's. I mean, yeah, like I enjoyed it. But I just, yeah, it's, it's cool. tough like, because <laughs> they they haven't aged, in my opinion, the same way as a Jay Z who yeah. is still. You know, he came out when I was 16, mm-hmm. Jay, and he's 10 years older than me. So now, um, he's been dropping albums a little bit definitely more frequently than than DMX and more frequently than Snoop because Snoop went off started doing some gospel and then (laughs) at one point in his career he was signed to Master P and it just got weird right but um, with Jay being an East Coast artist and coming out of that 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 camp of like Biggie and and Nas and and, uh, Ja Rule and just other hip hop greats, uh, maybe not Ja Rule as a hip hop great, but he he had a run. I was right? about Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Who cares what Ja Rule thinks uh, at a time like this? But yeah, you're right. Um, so your familiarity with a J is definitely going to be higher than it is of Snoop or DMX. Yeah. Even though DMX came out of that Yonkers, well, he led the charge for the Yonkers camp, which. You know, you know who my uh, who who else came out of Yonkers? I can't, I can't tell you. Rap I mean, group, three man rap group. Come on, man. <laughs> Jada. Oh, um, the Locks. The Locks. Who's my favorite Locks member? Styles P. No, I love Styles P, but it's not. Or Damn, come she, on. Tom. I would. <laughs> I always say Sheik Luch is my favorite Locks member. Now, a lot of people might think I'm joking or or that I don't mean that, but. When when Sheik spits, right, it, it you know he put effort into those bars. You know he raps like it's his last song. <laughs> so I, I, I respect it. And um he started calling himself Don Don and that <laughs> that that always makes me laugh. So uh and no disrespect to the locks. I think they're they're amazing. Um easily one of the top hip hop groups in, in uh hip hop of all time. Um but yeah, you wouldn't know DMX or Snoop the way you know Jay because of the frequency yeah. and the fact that Jay's um, fans have grown up with him and now he has this second generation, at least in my opinion, of kids who know music. Yeah. Um, 
no good rap music. And I don't want to get into that debate right now because <laughs> you right. and I see hip hop in a very similar light. We mm -hmm. could save that conversation for another day. But the next matchup is Ross and Two Chains, right? Which is um, upcoming this Thursday, August sixth. Do you have any thoughts on on the matchup? I just prefer Rick Ross over over Chains. Yeah, and I just don't. I mean, to my knowledge, I just don't think he has enough to combat Rick Ross. Because I mean, Rick Ross. I mean, Rick Ross has one like lane, but mm -hmm. he has so many different types of songs in one lane. In like, that lane, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he. Uh, it's funny. I was I was taking your sister to uh, so uh, her friends, I guess going away party. You yeah. know, some kids are still going off to to college and even in this environment. And um, she, on the way back from dropping her off, I I looked up. Uh, I was on title. No, we did not get paid to say that. <laughs> um, I just support title. They do a much better job of. Uh, creating track radio than than Apple, so I go to title, I type in two chains, and I go to top tracks, and I look, and I literally had to play like three of the songs that look familiar, and two out of the three were not songs that I was familiar with, <laughs> and so I'm looking at that the titles of the songs, and um. I'm just saying to myself, I'm either going to be thoroughly shocked on Thursday or um, 2 Chains is going to get get demolished. Yeah. I don't know which one. And I I didn't think that Snoop could hang with DMX. And honestly, um, some of the songs that, that, DM, that, that Snoop played... Um, I had no clue what he was what he was playing. Yeah, Every DMX joint. Yeah. <laughs> Every DMX joint I, I knew. It took me somewhere. I knew what it was. I could recite the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if, if Two Chains is gonna be able to pull out um solo records or if he's gonna have to rely on uh, Feature. the features. Yeah. Which I know he has some big features and honestly I don't know them off the top of my head and I'm not gonna take any time to to look them up at the moment, but I know that Ross has some some bangers, both solo and features. And, and, features. Yeah. Um, and to your point, yes, he does sit in one lane. I think Ross is very, um, he has a very typical flow. It's not, he doesn't have the most wide range of flows, mm -hmm. but he stays in his bag, he stays in his pocket, and he stays in his lane very well, and it works for him. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'm interested. I'm curious to see what Chains is able to do, but um, I'm really tuning in just to, to uh, take a walk down memory lane with um, Rick Ross and some of those really big records that he has. Yeah. Um, what do you think about like any of the, the next potential matchups? Um, there was some talk about, you know, folks floating the idea of Chris Brown versus Usher and Chris Brown was disrespectful in his response to that. He he said that he would only battle himself and I thought that was blasphemy. What, what, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, I don't think 
I'm not sure what his mindset was into responding to the idea because it was drug induced. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I don't blame him because I think Usher would have won. So, no, he wasn't saying it like I'm gracefully bowing out. He's saying the only person worthy oh, of, oh, oh. of of battling me is me. Oh, I miss. Yeah, yeah, because it was that blasphemous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so in that light, I guess I don't even know because I, I can't think of anybody else to put up against Chris Brown or Usher. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of anybody to put it up against Chris Brown if it's not Usher. Right. And even I, that is a, a weird matchup. I think it's the closest matchup at the moment. Yeah. And, and I haven't like taken too much time to think about it uh, too much further. But they both sing and don't have like the craziest vocals, like the mm-hmm. vocal range. Yeah. So I think that that's similar. I also, they both dance. I think if we were talking about a dancing competition, Chris Brown, Chris Brown would put, he would tuck Usher in to sleep very neatly and yeah. there would be no debate about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as records, until record for record, until Chris Brown produces a project similar to Confessions, one through 19, if I'm not mistaken, which is the deluxe edition. Yeah. Even with Shine rapping from jail on um, uh, Confessions Part 2, there, there's a remix with um, Jermaine Dupree and and, um, and Shine, who was in jail at the time. He mm-hmm. he spit a verse on the, uh, the, the jail phone. Whatever. Oh, okay. yeah. So until Chris Brown can produce that, um, this conversation is is dead in the water for me. And I'm talking like confessions, the intro to the outro. Mm-hmm. You can play any song outside of maybe my boo, which is was just like it was cool. It was good. But I think but Chris Brown has a better song. Yeah. It was like I don't know, it was like a like a Sesame like a Street song. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it just it was too it formulaic. It's yeah. Usher and Alicia Keys. My like, the hook was a little I mean, sus. It just didn't. It, it 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 wasn't his greatest work. But outside of anything else, um, I I can't see Chris Brown um, messing with that. And that's not. That's just one album. That's not eighty seven oh one. That's not um, you know my way. There's just there's just too much in, in my opinion. Um, so. If we can think, maybe we come back each week with another potential matchup and, and, and see if uh, we can get a, a good debate going about that. Yeah. Um, let's. All right. I, I I've been wanting to ask you this because you got this long, you got like a a, a spreadsheet of <laughs> of movies with like green check marks and all of that. So, quickly look through it. Look through uh, your list, and. We're gonna pick two two movies you watched, right? And we're going to I want you to pick them based on the cinematography, the storyline, and the music. Or excuse me, I'm sorry, I know you play <laughs> you play two instruments and all that. Um the yeah, score. score yeah. Right. Do, do you do you mind if I tell folks what, what instruments you play? I mean, sure. Um 
Uh, SJ has been playing cello for how many years now? Eight. Since I was in third grade. Third grade. So I was eight in third grade, so nine years. Right. Going into your 10th year playing the cello. Dope. It doesn't even Um, feel like it. It doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) Um, And you've dabbled with the piano. Yeah. Right. Um, Which I would love for you to pick up again. Um, Yeah, I like the piano. I like the piano. Yeah. <laughs> the piano's cool. Yeah, so we, we should we should get back to that. But so two movies, cinematography, storyline, and music or the score. Where where do you want to start? Um we can start I kinda wanna finish on one topic. So we can cool. start with um the first Back to the Future. I didn't I've watched it I watched it years ago, but when I think of like one of like if I'm listing movie soundtracks, that's definitely up there in the list. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm actually not sure who did the score. Mm-hmm. Um, the director was Robert Zemeckis, who also directed Forrest Gump. Um, Another example of you being wise beyond your years, because <laughs> I've never, I, I ain't front, outside of like black cinema, I don't, or like the really big um, directors, um, like Cameron or Scorsese or Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino, I don't pay attention to who the director is. So yeah, I've tried to pay more close attention to like the to the behind the scenes people. I've Got tried it. to. Got it. I mean, along with like the cast and whatnot, I've tried to gain more knowledge on what it took to actually create the film. Right. All right. So the composer for Back to the Future was Alan Silvestri. Silvestri. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I like the story. If I'll give a brief summary on Back to the mm-hmm. Future. Um, Marty McFly and Doc. Um, okay, so Doc has Doc, Dr. Emmett Brown. Mm-hmm. He has he See, created a time <laughs> he created a time machine in a DeLorean. Right. And Marty has to go back in time, or Marty was sent back in time, and to I think to the sixties. I don't remember what year. Right. Um, and basically, he has to. Fix the he has to fix the future while he's in the past, because it. it's it's just it. like the whole space time continuum mess is yep. just too hard to explain. Never really understood um, it. Yeah, it was it's it gets kind of confusing. Um, but basically he has to make his parents like meet again and mm-hmm. fall in love and blah 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 blah. Oh, because in in the present. Yeah, because like since he went back in time, mm-hmm. it like messed up the present. Got it. So like in order to keep the present in check, he has to make the events in the past different like he has to stop them from becoming different like he got has it, to got it got it got like it, got fix it. fix the events of the past to make the future good um so yeah that's one of my favorite movies uh um, you but it's been for a few years though yeah yeah i've expanded my movie palette as of the last couple months um i love the way it was shot the storyline was cool and of course the music um, is it is it the first Back to the Future that produced those uh, self? Oh no, it was the second la- one. That was the second yeah. one. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. And the self lacing Nikes, right? Yeah, the that Aaron, they uh, actually put out. Yeah, <laughs> a few years back. Um, and that movie was cool. Well, cool, interesting. I'll use that word because he was sent into the future, but he was sent into ni- he was sent into the year 2015, mm-hmm. and they predicted that we'd have like flying cars. And, yeah. yeah. All that good stuff, all that futuristic stuff that you can think of, but I, know, I was hyped as here. a kid watching that. Thinking, yeah. 
<laughs> um, I don't know something about like in uh, I I don't remember what year it came out, but um, in the eighties. Wait, which one? The second one. Yeah, I think I want to say nineteen ninety. All right, maybe, <laughs> but in the eighties and early nineties, when I was I was ten and eighty nine. So let's say ninety one. It was eighty nine. I'm sorry. It was eighty nine. So I was ten years old. Thinking about. Um, 2015 it used to scare me I don't even think I recognized that they were talking about 2015 because I couldn't grasp the concept of 2015 and 1989 it didn't make sense to me I feel I mean obviously I was born in 2003 I don't know anything about 1989 Um, but you're trying to say I'm old no I'm just trying to say I'm younger than you (laughs) Um, (laughs) duh (laughs) no Um, but yeah I think like the year 2030 even sounds ridiculous and that's only 10 years from now <laughs> like 10 years from now i'll be 51 <laughs> and you will be 27 27 yeah. 27 yeah but yeah as a, as a kid there was no way that i could really like grasp um uh 2015, 2015 and 1989 i was just yeah. trying to graduate 8th grade you know what i mean i mean not at 10 but, but that, that was, was like that the was milestone like the, yeah. that i was looking for you know what i mean yeah um. All right. So, cinematography. You say you like the way it was shot. Is there any one thing about it that stuck out to you? Um. Not that movie in particular. No. Not that I can think of. It was just. I don't know. I'm. I'm intrigued by like, eighties culture. <laughs> like mm. you know, like stra- strange. I mean, we can talk about this. We can talk about shit. We can make shows a different um episode. But Stranger right. Things took place in the eighties. I thought. Right. That show was pretty cool. Just 80s culture and all that good stuff. But we, we won't we won't talk about that right now. Yeah. Um so yeah, that the um Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies. Um I have a poster of it in my room. Yeah. Among Taxi Driver and Pulp Fiction, Taxi. which are two of my uh, another two on my I've never top seen list. Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver or Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I, I and I know in certain circles that might be a little blasphemous. I don't always get Tarantino, and I don't know who did um, um, Scorsese. Scorsese. I've seen a lot of his movies, but I've never watched Pulp Fiction. Um, I probably should, though. I think. I think. Yeah, it's, it it gets confusing, but it's contrary to popular contrary to popular belief. It is at least to me. I don't think it's Tarantino's best film, which I can segue into my second movie that we can break down. Which um, one? What, in, what movie is that? Um, Inglorious Bastards came out in 2009. Who's in it? That's Brad, um, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Got it. Brad Pitt. Uh, Christoph, Wal- Christoph Waltz. I'm not sure if you know who that is. Nope. Uh, he's a very good actor. Um, what else has he been in that I would know? Christoph. Um, he was in Django. Django. He was Django. like Jan- he was like the the doctor. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 I know who you're talking about. All right. Cool. Um, Michael Fassbender's in it. Got it. That's uh, Magneto. Magneto. He um, was also in Assassin's Creed, the yeah, movie, I, which was I don't even trash, want to bring myself yeah, to watch yeah. the movie. No, nah, don't. <laughs> um, the guy that played Zemo in um, Civil War is in it. Zemo? The villain. Zemo in Civil War? In Captain America Civil War, the bad guy. The guy that tried oh, to kill the guy that tried to kill Okay, yeah. yeah. And, um, and Black Panther said that the... Um, the living weren't weren't done with him. Yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an. Um, I would say this is Tarantino's best shot film. I'm yeah. not sure about the 
it, it's a great story, but what is the story? Um, basically, I'll read you the synopsis off of Google. It um the first year of it is the first year of Germany's occupation uh, occupation mm-hmm. of France. Um, Allied officer um Aldo Rain, which is Brad Pitt's character, assembles a team of Jewish soldiers to commit violent acts of retribution against the Nazis. God. So basically, he builds a team of like. I want to say like eight to 12 men mm-hmm. and they have to go out and kill a bunch of Nazis Got and it. Brad Pitt's character's trademark. If you're it's sensitive cool. to um, graphic images, just yeah. don't imagine this, but he basically like carves the um, swastika. He, do, he doesn't kill them. He keeps them alive, but he carves the swastika into their the top into their, their forehead. forehead. And uh-huh. they leaves them alive, so now they have to live the rest of their life with a swastika on their forehead. Um, so Which yeah. for some people might might be a good time, depending on what you. If you're already a Nazi, and you are, um, that's what you're known for. I mean, yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I, but the people, if you're walking down the street, okay, let's now, say the war is over. You're walking right. down the street. In an unfamiliar neighborhood, and people don't agree with the Nazis, they see it on your forehead. No doubt. Yeah, that, but that's okay, um, that's even that's just half the um, synopsis. Um, so, Aldo Rain, Brad Pitt's character, him and his men join forces with Bridget von Hammersmark, a German actress and undercover agent, to bring down the leaders of the Third Reich. I want right. to say. Um, their fates converge with the theater owner Shoshana Dreyfus, who tries to avenge the Nazis' ex- execution of her family. Which was the first scene of the movie, arguably mm-hmm. the best scene, one of the best scenes in cinema history, um, and one of the best movie scenes I've ever seen. Um, when we're talking about cinematography, it um, introduces what is called the Alfred Hick- Alfred Hitchcock theory. Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. was an English director in the 1900s. He directed Psycho, which was mm-hmm. one of like the first notable horror films it's a pretty good movie i haven't seen it it's on my yeah. list though. <laughs> yeah. um so yeah the, the cinematography in the first scene introduces this theory called the bomb under the table theory oh wait you haven't seen glorious bastards no okay i'm so, probably not gonna watch it but you say you're probably not gonna maybe um i mean it's not like i recommend it but i understand if you don't <laughs> oh no i mean it, it's possible i just i i it's nothing that you're saying that would make me not want to watch it. I just don't know if it's if I'm gonna get around. Probably to it. not. Yeah. All right, that's fine. Um, so the bomb under the table theory, it it's an analogy. Okay, so it presents the ideas of surprise mm-hmm. versus um, suspense. Got it. So oh, basically, okay. there's two there's two scenarios. Let's just say. You and I are having dinner at a restaurant, mm-hmm. and there's a bomb under the table. Right. But the okay, let's just say, yeah, but the audience doesn't know there's a bomb under the table. Right. That's the surprise. Yeah. So we go right. the whole conversation, blah 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 blah. It blows up. Right. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Second scenario, we're have we're same same location. Mm-hmm. We're at a restaurant having a discussion over dinner. There's a bomb under the table, mm-hmm. but the audience knows. Right. Now they're the suspense comes in because they don't know when it's gonna when come it's gonna off. Go so off. now they're just waiting. Right. In right. in Glorious Bastards, um Christoph Waltz's character, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot his name, hold please. 
uh, his name. Okay, so Christoph Waltz, um, Hans Landa. Mm-hmm. He's a lieutenant um, of the Nazis. He goes, it opens in the farm of this family, right? This French family. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans Landa and his men um, come to, or they approach the farm, the, or the house, I'm sorry, the house of the family. He um, sits down with the father of the family, mm-hmm. and the bomb under the table theory is presented by with the suspense scenario. Mm-hmm. So, the, this Frenchman is sheltering enemies of the state under his floorboards. Got it. And Hans Landa, he is trying to figure out whether or not he does. So, he goes on to have this whole conversation with the guy trying to pry, well, not even pry it out of him. He's very subtle with his, um, I don't know, his like methods of trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans under the floorboards to find this family, this family that the lieutenant is trying to find. So now the audience is just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting while mm-hmm. this slow burn of a scene is going over, which is one of Tarantino's trademarks is like long conversations in his movies. Hey. There was a lot of that in Pulp Fiction. Right? Yeah. Got it. So it's like eight minutes, like this scene's like eight to nine minutes mm-hmm. of just like waiting, waiting, just him talking like about like regular things. He gets up and he's about to leave. And then all of a sudden he talks to the Frenchman is like, you're hiding enemies of the state, aren't you? Mm. And he says, yes. And the men, the Nazis come in, spray down the floorboards and leaving one survivor, which was Shoshana Dreyfus, who grows up. So she runs away. Oh, she's the one trying to get revenge. Yeah, so she runs right. away. Right. Now she's in like a French city, owns a theater, and she basically, I don't want to spoil the whole movie, but she basically gets revenge for her family. Oh, I didn't say it. Spoiler alert. If I mean, you have not it, seen this, it's yeah, fine. But. but like the the meat and potatoes of the movie is the most important part, like the right. the middle parts, so like the end, the beginning and the ending are great, but the the middle is, is, is very good. So Yeah. I... I I don't know. I kind of went on a tangent about that movie, but I mean, it, I get it. I, I think that's the effect that Tarantino has on his fans yeah. uh, of his work, where it's from the outside looking in, it might just look like randomness, mm-hmm. but there is a method to his madness yeah. that some people get and are addicted to, and others, you know, it, it, he's a bit of a polarizing figure when it comes to his way of making movies, right? Which I understand. Um, and now hearing the way that you broke it down with the the Hitchcock theory, mm-hmm. um, I might look at some of his stuff through a different lens. So yeah. um, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you at your age, I would, it just would have never crossed my mind to break down or even try to figure out um, 99% of what you just said. <laughs> it wouldn't have been. Yeah, it's like. It's not my thing. I don't know. I Whenever I'm like curious about something, I try to figure it out on my own, but Google is my friend. Google but is, that's that's part of figuring it out, though. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's uh, a lot of people don't realize that Google can be your friend. And um, when they don't know something, they'll just remain not knowing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, never lose that. Like, if you want to <laughs> learn about something, drill down and figure it out and if you can't figure it out on your own 
that's when you ask for help. They, you know, we, you know how we do around here. There's nothing. There's never anything wrong with that. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. Um, I'm not sure if you wanted to conclude this movie talk, but uh, Tarantino is he's gonna conclude his film career, at least his film directing career, with a tenth movie. Um, he he's only done nine movies. He's done he's done ten, but. He counts Kill Bill 1 and 2 as one. As one. So it's nine stories, but ten uh, movies. Um, I don't know why I thought he did more movies than that. But he's I, I get it. done the screenplay for a bunch of movies and like done like he's only directed ten. He's only directed, or directed nine. nine. Got it. Got <laughs> but it. he's done other like I know he did the screenplay for um A Dust Till Dawn. Yes. Yes. And I, actually I can't think of one. the other ones, yeah. but um, which was also out there, but <laughs> um, but yeah. He his reasoning for only creating ten films is because he didn't want to basically like run the well dry. Like he kind of wanted to leave while he was hot. Like he didn't want to create ten good movies and then like and have then like, like six or seven that aren't trash good. movies yeah. in his on his on his in his repertoire. Yeah. So I mean, I get um, it. You know, highly anticipating that tenth film. Has he stated what it's going to be yet? No. So no. I mean, his last film only came out last year. So what was the last film? Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh, uh, with Leonardo okay. DiCaprio. You watched Brad that Pitt. one too, right? Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie. It was, it was pretty it. good. Got it. It's, Got it. I'm not sure if it's, it's like, if I were to rank them, it'd probably be like five or six. It's not, yeah. it's not bad, but it's not like the greatest thing I've ever seen. You know? I mean, he he's definitely, um, definitely grabs your attention with what he is doing. I don't always get it. <laughs> and, that's the beauty of of the world. Like there there is something for everybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, honestly, that that brings me to um, our next topic, which uh, you you know that everybody in this house. Well, I don't know if you are <laughs> as big of a fan as the three ladies in the house of um, Beyonce. So, Black is King. Um, we we have to talk about it. I am a, I'm definitely a fan of Beyonce for, you know, she's beautifully talented. She is married to my favorite rapper. Um, just a force to be reckoned with as a vocalist, as a um, entrepreneur, uh, now a mom, just superbly creative. And we value creativity in this house with, you know, yourself and your sisters are in the arts um them in dance and singing you with playing music being able to read music and so she comes out with this you said what is that photography photography <laughs> pardon me pardon me sir thank you for checking me on that That's okay. um so uh she drops this visual album and this is not the first time she's done this right um the beyonce album or I'm sorry, the Lemonade album, um, came out as one long project as well. But in this case, um, this is loosely based on the Lion King timeline, which she played Nala in the reenactment of the Lion King. Um, and I just have to say, like, the the, the visuals for this project were in, in amazing. The colors, um, it was just a lot of texture to it, and you could tell that there was a lot of thought that went into this project. And I'm gonna just say it now, like you can't please everybody. 
Beyonce is not for everybody. She is for a lot of people, but she's not for everybody. And I love the fact that she doesn't try to cater, at least in my opinion, to everybody. I'm going to put out a visual album. That is not, you don't see that every day. And she's going to do it in this meticulous fashion, um, which she shot um, in the latter half of 2019 um, in places like South Africa, West Africa, including Ghana and Nigeria, New York, LA, London, and Belgium. Right. Um, she, most of her work is very direct about her empower, empowering women. Um, it's been a common theme of hers for a number of years. Right. Um, I just thought that I didn't know what to expect going into this, but we watched it as a family and what did you think? Sorry. Um, excuse me. Um, I'm a fan of Beyonce. I mean, I'm not even going to try to compete with the, the ladies of this household, but, um, I did enjoy it. I mean, as a photography guy, I guess you could say photographer, that's what that's yes. called. Own, um, it. Own it, man. Say it again. No, um, as a photographer, right. um, the visuals of this project was definitely, they were definitely eye opening. Um, I might, I'll consider doing like research on the specifics of the visuals. Like yeah, I, I need how the cliff shot notes. and like the meanings and the symbols behind it. Right. I, um, I want to break down of it all. Yeah. Um, and that might be asking for a lot because you know what artists sometimes it's just like, Hey, take it as it is. And, <laughs> you interpret it the way you want to, but I am genuinely curious and I will tap the Beyonce, um, the resident Beyonce connoisseur of this house um, to find out more, yeah. but I'll also do my own research. Um, I will say to piggyback off your camp. Well, I mean, your can't please everyone mm -hmm. um, idea. I, as much as I have a, a very unpopular opinion, well, at least to spit, spit it to out. you and mom, or at least right. to mom, um, the Afrobeat theme, mm -hmm. I feel it's good music. It's just right. not for me. Like, got it. I mean, like if it's on, like I won't turn it off, but like mm -hmm. I won't. I'm not the type of person to like willingly play it. So like got it's it. good. Don't get me wrong. I love the diversity of the sounds and right. it gives the um gives the people of africa um like just black people as a whole it gives them a different light like right. the afro beat like that's our sound like yeah very hard to replicate um it's just not for me so there's nothing wrong with that i mean yeah um but i did like how the visuals contributed to the music yeah like music yeah. and photography are two of my or my top two like passions yeah so when those two are combined beautifully can't go wrong with it yeah no i i i um i get it i i respect your opinion um you know me being uh you know growing up with the sounds of, of reggae soca and calypso um you know because you know our, our some of our our family is from Guyana, mm -hmm. South America. 
while it's not an island, but it is a it is a part of West Indian and island culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely am not as well versed in Afrobeats as I should be, and um, will continue to broaden my palate uh, in that realm. But the the mashup of the the music, the colors, the culture, and the story of the Lion King, which is you know lions being the king of the jungle um the storyline coming out of africa it it just all worked and um that's just what we've come to expect from beyonce (laughs) when she decides to put out a project it has this effect on the culture and um you know we know she can't please everybody and even with this project folks came out and felt like she was just putting this capitalistic uh, cap on African culture, yeah. and you um, saw what No Name said. I I saw <laughs> what No Name said this morning actually, and um, and then I saw the rundown of the the, the, like, the, the Beehive. Oh yeah, and it's just like oh, so if you don't know, No Name uh, came out and was critical of Beyonce's project. So before and, that, time out. Right, right, like. <laughs> Maybe I don't say like a month ago. Right. She <laughs> tried to start a beef with Jacob. Well, I'm not okay. I have no hate for No Name. Right. I like No Name. I like her music. Right. It's just I don't know her music, but I I, I respect that she has a voice. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I mean, I respect her opinion. I res- I respect a lot of people's opinions. Mm-hmm. So I I try to I want to try to keep an open mind about this, but I don't know. I feel like she's she's over too. In these last two battles that she's trying to, oh, start. she's zero for two. Got yeah, you, yeah. got you. At least in my eyes. So, um, if we had to recap real quick, what happened with with J. with J Cole? Correct me if I'm wrong. She puts out a song first, or J Cole puts out puts oh, no. out a song. So first. I think she had tweeted like, "Oh, your favorite rapper is not okay." So I'm sorry to to start right. Um, you know, with like the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. kind of sparking the conversations and sparking the actions that need to be done. taken against yeah, taken, police sorry. brutality yep. systemic racism um outdated police tactics that um leave a disproportionate number of african americans slain or injured or without justice yeah and the list goes on and on about right. that um okay so with this movement sparking these conversations um protests have followed after the death of george floyd and after the death of um brianna taylor brianna taylor um, and many others but yes and two of the more um recent sadly. recent names ahmaud arbery ahmaud arbery um so yeah so protests have followed in hopes to get justice she had tweeted, "Oh, your favorite rapper's not at the protest. They're not." Did she put up, a picture blah, 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 up of him or something? I don't know. Oh, okay, but she, people, um, speculated that she was deliberately talking about J. Cole, Got it. which he was at. He was seen at protest in North Carolina, right? Um, so I don't know what she was talking about. So then J. Cole responded with "Snow on the Bluff," which is like maybe like a minute and a half song, right? Excuse me. Um, Basically saying that, basically responding to no name to no name criticism. Yes, um, and, and this is a no name is a African American female 
rapper from Chicago, correct? Uh, I believe so, yes. Got it. Um, so she jumped out the window and said that your favorite rapper is not on the front lines, basically. Yeah. And J. Cole, basically, in the song, he basically said that he needs to be educated. Like, basically, trying to s- smooth over mm-hmm. it. And, like, he didn't... I, I would like to believe he didn't want to start anything and mm-hmm. he tried to be like the peaceful. Try, I mean, Yeah, I mean. Tried to be peaceful. Yeah. But it, it's, um, it's a play devil's advocate a little bit. When it, it's, it could be viewed as him responding mm-hmm. at all in song could be seen as, you know, taking a stand against her. Even if in the song, this is my opinion, even if in the song he's saying, hey, I may need to be more educated. Um, I believe in the song he also said that he was on, he was out at a protest. Um, So yeah, it's, I think there's an optics game that's being played as well. No, I agree. You you have this rapper calling out arguably the biggest rapper in hip hop. um, Uh. And saying that he's not doing enough for the struggle. That that's the gist of what she's saying. Yeah. Um so his response His response was almost like backhanded agreeing with her. Like it was yes, kinda like it definitely yes, felt right, like a little backhanded. But I don't know. But if you have a chance, listen to Snow on the Bluff and Snow on the Bluff. And do you do we know the name of No Names record? Because she did uh, respond. I don't right? remember. I th- I do know she responded with an even short it was like maybe like 50 some seconds right i do know it was produced by madlib which is madlib he's a um pretty well known hip hop producer yeah. oh, he does like a lot of side projects and yeah. um he produced a lot of freddie gibbs projects yes. mf doom yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, he yep. produced a mf doom project um the song's called song 33 song and it 33. was it was a minute long and it was basically she basically responded to his response mm-hmm. and this is ironic. She said, like, basically, she was like, oh, you did all that. You took the time to make a song about me. Right. After you took the time to tweet about me. Whatever. Yeah. But then responded with right. a song about him. Like, yep. it was just like, yep. it didn't make any yep. sense. And I wanted, I really want to root for her. But yeah. it's just like, well, I don't know. She's saying the wrong things. <laughs> I, I think that they both could use less time talking about each other and, um, and I, and I don't know if these songs brought more light to the struggle of, of yeah. you know, blacks in this country, but um, the entertainment value of it to me is a bit of, it's wasted. Yeah. It was because just... they're going back and forth with each other and they're talking about, you know, who did more for who. And, you know, now you, you, you call out the big dog, right? And then when he responds, it's like, oh, you did this for me as, as if, is this what you wanted him to do? It was, so you could prove your, were you proving a point? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but either to way, circle back yeah. to her attempted shot at Beyonce, basically mm-hmm. she was, in summary, she was basically trying to say that Beyonce was trying to capitalize off African culture and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And that this energy could be better used in Africa and yeah. liberating the people. But it's like, one, I feel like as black people, I think black is king. 
we need this more than anything right now. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I, um, I agree. So, and it's not, del- it's not so, and I don't mean to cut you off. No, you uh, it's not about it being th- like this need where like, oh, hearing Beyonce's Blackest King is going to, is this Band-Aid for the soul, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not, it's this abstract piece of art that can help shape the way we are viewed to ourselves, which in the short run and the long run can have lasting effects where if we see ourselves in a higher light, we'll demand more for ourselves and not, um, and and hopefully better our society for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that this visual album is the antidote to systemic racism or no. police brutality or anything, it's, but sorry. culture always has a place in society. It's part of what makes society what it is. And anytime that we can uh, get some good news, oh yeah, yeah. good news, right? Uh, from from a Pastor Carl at Hillsong Church. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we can get some good news, uh, I think that that's a good day. Yeah. And so, especially nowadays, it's just like it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I understand what you're saying. So, she jumps out the window, and I don't know if uh, Mama Tina <laughs> came to the defense of Beyonce against No Name, but she did pop out. As she always does in defense of her daughter, her son, and her daughters, or her son-in-law Jay, and, and made it very clear that um, this wasn't just Beyonce's take on African culture. Yeah. In in this silo, mm-hmm. it was her uh, collaboration with other contributors. Yeah. Uh, one being Joshua Kissy, um, who says, "I was tapped to contribute and direct the Ghana portion of the film." Uh, and goes on to say that these are the types of narratives that his home country needs. And there's another one, Blitz uh, Bazawule. I'm not. I, I hope I didn't chop that name up, but it is um, Blitz Ambassador on um, Instagram. And he uh, came out and said, "The word is finally out. Black is king. So proud to have worked with Queen Beyonce on this. So honored to contribute visually uh, to this moment." when the world is in need of beauty and affirmation, can't wait and plugged uh, that it would be on Disney plus July 31st. So, um, you know, I'll repeat, you're not going to please everyone. Um, And sometimes when you're on a mission to, uh, I don't really like this phrase, but I'm going to use it because I think that it's fitting. Speak your truth. Yeah. Um, when you're on that mission, you can't be, if you're so concerned about pleasing everybody, most people wouldn't even get out of bed because there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree, yeah. like the way you went about it or mm-hmm. anything like that. So the lesson in, in Black is King for me is that um, if you think you have something to contribute to culture, it is similar to what we said earlier about trying to figure things out on your own versus getting the help when you realize that you need it, you definitely, it definitely seems to me that she did a homework and, you know, got collaborators um, and 
it provided and produced a very dope piece of art. Yeah. And in this house, art is important. And in this house, we celebrate, we celebrate art. And it is our opinion, our collective opinion in this house, that this was a dope piece of art. Yeah. Um, so, so right. uh, I want to conclude the no name talk, but I just want yeah. to conclude. In, in the end, I believe that her... I mean, I once again, I'm trying to be open-minded. I'm what not do y'all call say, it? Clout chasing? She was clout chasing? <laughs> I'm not going to say she was right or wrong. Right. <laughs> but I do think that it was selfish because... Was it clout chasing, though? I just want to make sure I'm using it correct. <laughs> That's the correct correctly. term, yes. Um, so I believe that her take was very selfish without doing like the proper research after you said... After two like contributors to this project have said that their contribution to it was far beyond just Beyonce. Like, right. There were right. other artists trying to um, express African culture, African music, African entertainment. So, yeah, it was a good film. Or, I'm sorry, good visual album. I enjoyed it. Let's go. <laughs> and agreed. Uh, we, 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 we enjoyed it. Um, one thing I did, uh, for, for whatever reason, as we were... Um, in the title, it says "Black is King," and and there's been this this uptick in using the word "king" towards towards each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to point out, you know, I think it's a cool term. I, I do think that it's a bit trendy. Um, I understand the concept behind it that we need to see ourselves at our highest selves, and that um, if we trace back African culture, definitely there were. Uh, there's no question that there were kings and queens uh, within African culture. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it can be a definitely overused term, but I just want to take a quick moment to break down my belief and what I feel about the word uh, king. I think it, it, it has a lot to do with being a leader. Um, it definitely has a lot to do with um, you taking care of the people around you and similar to what we were talking about on two different occasions in uh, over the last um, few minutes is knowing when to get help. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't just throw that word out. I don't use it that often to refer to to other men, um, period. Just not my choice. I don't knock anybody who does, but I do think that... Um, if we're going to be using this term, we can't just use the term and not try to embody, embody it, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a, a, a J lyric when uh, he talks about um, most kings get their head cut off, right? Now, I know that that sounds a little harsh, but that's the re- that, that's been the reality historically. And whether that's figurative or literal, I think the reason that that happens is always because there is either a sense of hatred for the person in power mm-hmm. or there is the ego of the king gets so big that they miss some of the, the smaller details in their own kingdom. And how I relate that to present day or being a father or being a husband is that, hey, I need to make sure that um, I'm not pouring from a empty cup, that I am taking care of the people around me 
that I'm listening when I need advice and that I am given as much game that I'm giving as much game as I have been given. So from me to you, um, I know that you're, you're a king based on you having leadership qualities, you being able to ask for when you need help, Mm -hmm. you taking care of the people around you, whether it's friends and or family and always looking to level up, better yourself, chase your passions and just be mindful of, of, of your ego. We all have it, but do your best to keep it in check because it can either lead you to greatness or destruction. Yeah. That is, that's my, uh, <laughs> my pulpit, um, message for the day. Gotcha. Um, so is, is there anything that we missed or can we, can we wrap this up? Um, I'll take that as we can wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you guys for, for taking this journey with us. Um, we will be back again. We'll see you next time. Um, peace and blessings to you all.